podcast that exists at the intersection of pop culture and academia. We sit down and talk about our favorite stuff through the lenses of what we do and who we are. From Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University, Dr. Melinda Lewis here. I'm your host. So I'm here with Jamar Nicholas, illustrator, writer, educator, and 2018's Dwayne McDuffie Award winner. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, super news. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, for his most recent graphic novel, Leon, Protector of the Playground. Yes. Hi, how are you? All right, how are you? Thanks Good. for having me. I'm so excited. I have so many questions. Let's go back to the beginning of time. Okay. You're born and raised in Philadelphia. Yes. You seem to have always grown up with art. When did you start kind of flirting with comic books? I've been drawing since I was a little, little tiny thing of a kid. <laughs> and my mother being this commercial artist. And wherever we lived, she had a at least a corner in the apartment or a whole room to herself that had that drafting table that slanted mm. and very interesting tools that I didn't understand and really expensive markers. And she was always busy. This wasn't a hobby, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so from that and just my love of comic strips, I soon fell in love with comic books. And I want to say that my mother encouraged me, but she wasn't a cheerleader either. Mm. That was kind of like the serious part of it. No, she <laughs> used to say, wow, why are their feet so big? Like I was a big <laughs> foot cartoonist. So, you know, I always had my own kind of language that I was trying to mm. make people see from yeah. the beginning. Who would you say your influences are? I have always enjoyed off-kilter cartoonists or people who just had styles that weren't connected to other people. One thing you see with comic books as a whole is there's a style. Mm. to being a comic book artist, right? Or they used to call it like like the Marvel way, if you've ever seen the How to Draw Comics, the Marvel way is a book that every comic book artist has on their shelf somewhere that you were gifted when you were 10 years old. Now here's where you can follow step-by-step exactly how a page is penciled for a Marvel comic book. In a word, it's Marvel. And, you know, I think now I just have my own thing, you know, that that works on its own. but some of my early influences were comic strip artists. You know, one person I probably took a lot from that you would see in my style was Burke Brethed from Mm -hmm. Bloom County. Um, I drew a lot of Bloom County style stuff. Uh, When I was young and into the comic strips, I loved Doonesbury by Gary Trudeau, Mm -hmm. which looks looks nothing like anybody else. All of his profiles of characters have this weird eye where the eyebrow connects to the eyelid and these crazy noses, and it doesn't look like comic books. Um, I tell a lot of stories about loving Andy Cap. I love Beetle <laughs> Bailey. And you know, those things don't look like the other. Do you have a definition for comic books or what a comic is? To boil it down, a comic book is a book, because that's what it says <laughs> in, the, in, in, the, in the title, that tells a story using words and pictures. Yeah, it does seem like there are a lot of people who don't want to claim comic books. Right, well, the one thing I wanted to talk about was graphic novels, and I have some of my buddies who just like won't own that phrase you know like graphic novels or comic books they're just comic books just call them comic books and graphic novels is almost like a lofty ascot Mm -hmm. in 
coattails way of saying comic books because that's kind of in vogue now, right? Yeah. Um, I would still say at the end of the day, it's I, it's drawn as a comic book. Mm-hmm. You open it up, there's boxes of people in them, and there's word balloons. <laughs> it's pretty much a comic book to me. So I think it's really all how you frame it. <laughs> See, this hey! Hey! <laughs> oh. um, but I would call my style... Dare I say it, cartoony, <laughs> right? And that used to be a bad word in the industry. Like, oh well, I don't like the guy that draws Spider-Man. He's too cartoony. Mm. Like, oh, ouch. <laughs> and I think there's a, a kind of like a mastery of storytelling when you don't have to over-render things, mm. right? You know, like I have to make this look real, so I'll put more lines on the face. Can you do the same thing with just a flick mm. of a line stroke under somebody's eye to make them look tired? Do you try to make it so that people can do more with the visual and less text? I think so. Well, and one of the things I teach here at Drexel is in writing for comics is the collaboration between a writer and an artist. Mm. The writer has a vision and an artist has to kind of decode his vision to make it work on a page. So sometimes there's a, a really lovely dance that happens and sometimes it's clunky, you know, but that's kind of part of the magic. What I think, and somebody said once, <laughs> was a good comic book doesn't need words to tell a story. Mm. So since we're on storytelling, let's mm. talk about Fistic Knife Gun. Gun. It's really interesting to read Canada's text now. What were some of the challenges of adapting that book Mm -hmm. into a graphic novel, which is packed with so much. Yeah, it's pretty dense. So Fist, Stick, Knife, Gun is the memoirs of Jeff Canada. Jeffrey Canada uh, is an educator and an advocate for children uh, from New York uh, who ran the Harlem Children's Zone. And Jeff is going through these things in the South Bronx in the 50s and the 60s, and they're the same stories that I went through. You know, 20, 30 years later shows that nothing's changing and in fact Mm -hmm. it's getting worse Mm -hmm. now depending on where you come from uh, you may have a certain idea of how city kids are how do these kids get like this it's all like PTSD there's a lot of urban PTSD and and some of that just comes from the idea of earning your keep you're kind of getting indoctrinated into a violent way of living your Mm -hmm. life even if you want to or not so by the time you get to seventh eighth grade you're you're totally rewired. A walk home, a fight could happen at any minute. You know, you get into fights at school. You might get jumped by the kids from the next neighborhood. You stayed out of other people's neighborhoods because you didn't need to be there. Again, depending where you come from, you might have a total disillusion of either, is this for me? Why would I read this? Mm-hmm. Why do I care? What am I supposed to do about it? So you kind of come into the thing with all these preconceived notions of what this is. And then you read it and find out it's the story of a scared little boy. And everybody can connect to that or at least empathize mm-hmm. with that. It's about like the secret life of little boys or girls. It just is the city. And the city just churns people out. Leon Protector of the Playground is different. Yes. But I think that there are some kind of interventions Mm -hmm. in terms of like how we think of superheroes, Mm -hmm. how we think of childhood, Mm -hmm. how we think of violence. Uh, Leon is a graphic novel 
uh, about a sixth grade superhero whose power is common sense. <laughs> and it's not really a power, he's just really good at it. And the kids at his school kind of either they embrace him or they resent him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really the story starts going into not really about the fantastic, it's more about, wow, people expect a lot out of me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can handle this. Or I think I have to do everything myself because that's what I'm supposed to do. So we start to and you know, flip it around and just see what kids have to go through and how, you know, how they deal with it. But I also really like that there's a sense of community to it too. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everybody is in this neighborhood, everybody's kind of looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. And that's one big part of how why Leon's been so popular is that families come over and go like, Wow, I can give this to my kid. Mm. Like it's something that simple. That being said, what is it like to see a kid dressed as Leon at oh. conventions or yeah. like or you know being at a combo convention and seeing a little kid come around a corner dressed like my my little guy it's just it blows my mind. What is it like to get feedback directly from parents who are like, oh, "Thank you for this. This is great." I have uh, on my desk uh, a handwritten note from a mom who said, "Thank you so much for creating this so I could hand it to my little boy." And I was just like, "Oh, there's those emo tears again. <laughs> They're coming." And it's, I can't describe it. It's such a great feeling to see that, you know, one, it's something that you created that is, mm-hmm. again, out in the world, but also that people are, are receiving it. It's speaking mm-hmm. to an audience, and I'm glad that um, it's being received like that. I'd love to see more of that. It means I must be doing something right. Yeah. There's a good soul to the, the, the book, and I think that's what people are really mm. connecting with. Pop the Question is brought to you by Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University. Pannoni Honors College is invested in undergraduate research, scholar development, and interdisciplinary scholarship. With students from various backgrounds and academic fields of study, the Honors College engages its community in complex ideas. Info at drexel.edu slash Pannoni. That's P-E-N-N-O-N-I. Pannoni Honors College, a place for active learning, high achievement, and community. Has it surprised you that comic books seem to have gained some sort of I don't know if respect is the word, but some sort of reference or like that we're teaching comics, yeah. right? Or yeah. that we're archiving comics mm-hmm. or... If you study just kind of like how the tectonic plates shift on Twitter, there is a group of people who are almost like music snobs, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, hey, I was in a Black Panther before it was cool. <laughs> you know, what gives you guys the right to come in here? And mm-hmm. t- you know, that kind of thing. I want to say that I'm in a place now as getting older that I'm happy that people are enjoying it because it's allowed me to have a job. So yay, yay pop culture. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for it. I almost feel the same way about just, you know, growing up here in Philly and gentrification and how, you know, I grew up in Philly that looked like trading places. Mm. You know, a lot of, there's just like this veneer of dirt over everything. It was just kind of just like, a, it was a grimy city and everybody mm-hmm. was angry and nobody was happy. And I kind of miss that. You got a receipt? It tells time simultaneously in Monte Carlo, Beverly Hills, London, Paris, Rome, and Stad. In Philadelphia, it's worth 50 bucks. But, no, I, you know, I'm really happy that pop culture is now geek culture. And, um, mm. you know, let's all eat. <laughs> there does seem to be a conversation about, like, change in terms of diversity, yeah. change in terms of, like, maybe we 
um, either feature characters of color and have more comics of color and also women? Mm -hmm. And do you see substantial changes in the industry to address diversity? I think it is important for the industry to understand that there's all shades and sizes and colors of people that want to see themselves represented in the work. This stuff does exist already. It's just it may not be at Marvel. Mm. It may not be at DC. And before the Black Panther like news dropped last year, whenever they finally announced this thing, I was at a black comic book convention in <laughs> Harlem, and this guy stood up. I was on a panel, and he was like, yo, Black Panther. Everybody was like, yeah. And he's like, yo, what do you think about Black Panther? And I said, well, why don't you go outside into the lobby and buy some comic books by these black folks that are making you know, new content that mm-hmm. you know, I think you would probably enjoy. But people kind of have blinders on. Like, you like what you like. You go to the Black Convo Convention because you're looking for Black Panther back issues. And it's like, who are these guys? I don't know these guys. What is this? Did you draw this? Is that your comic book? No, I don't want that. But I think that it, it would seem very clear the relationship between like other forms of media and like film, comics, mm-hmm. other narratives. Mm-hmm. What other things are you drawn to as a consumer, as a writer? Like As a transition so to speak from being a fan of comics into being in the industry uh i've really put a lot of things down um i find more of my time just teaching and working and um you know tv uh i wasted my youth in front of the television now it's i kind of lost it's all just real housewives right Right. you know this is what i love the real housewives I, you know, I love The Real Housewives. It's fluid. It's getting hot. It is. I have so many more questions. Hold on. I need to take more notes. So so much to unpack. But it's, and I don't want to say it's brainless entertainment. That's not what I'm getting at. But I like that I can sit down and just let this stuff wash over me. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to think too hard about it. Um, You know, it's like, you know, life is tough enough, you know. (laughs) Um, I would love to see a real world survivor. Like they put all those ladies on an island for a month and see what happens. That'd be crazy. Yeah. I think I flirted <laughs> with the idea of an all-stars. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. just, you guys love vacations. Right, and eat these bugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Teresa, you first. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> um, she flipped the bamboo hut over. Oh, my gosh. I was fine. I was really fine. I just wanted to get my point across to her. And then that's how I am. Like, I could be mad one minute and then I'll be, I'll be fine. That's the thing about Housewives, though, is that there are always ebbs and flows. I'm always interested to watch it as like a storyline. Right. Like, how are you constructing these individual narratives? Because, you know, know it is, it all comes down to storytelling. Yeah. We kind of came back around the the, the bin there. But yeah, it's all stories. That's all. You heard it here first. That's right. Uh, I also heard you're a huge (laughs) wrestling fan. (laughs) I bet you didn't expect that today. <laughs> no, you totally caught me off guard. <laughs> yeah, with that. Surprise. Yeah. But guess what? So am I. Yeah. So oh, wow. Or we're going to have to talk. Yeah. Okay. Who is your favorite wrestler and why? Oh, man. We might be here for another 20 minutes. That's a, so. that's a loaded question. You know what? My favorite wrestler is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Have, do you listen to his podcast? Yeah, I love it. Have you? My favorite thing he has maybe ever done, mm-hmm. and I like Stone Cold quite a bit, Yeah. his match with the fly. <laughs> oh, I heard that. Yeah, he spent a whole episode talking about this fly in his house. Yeah. Right? The fly in control. Austin losing blood, losing consciousness. It looks like it could be all over for Austin. This crowd is going crazy. I was following uh, Steve Austin's career back when he was like 
in WCW, and he had a totally different character. Like Pretty Boy? Yeah, Stubby yeah. Steve Austin. Yeah, yeah. And, like, there was something off with him. Like, if you ever watched a movie and there was an actor in there that was just way too good to be with the rest <laughs> of these schmucks, yeah. that was Steve Austin, and I could read that on this guy. So then by the time he wound up in the WWF and, like, shaved his head and it, just like, it was just, like, off to the races, I was like, of course. <laughs> of course he's the most amazing. And it all, it kind of all just worked out the way it did. But, you know, he's very believable and charismatic. Yeah. You know, but, yeah, that's my dude. Speaking of the sports window being open, are you excited about the Eagles? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, people have this idea that, arty types aren't into sports, mm-hmm. right? I was like, yo, I love the Eagles. I'm a Philly cat. And yeah. even if I watched the games or didn't, like, I'm so excited. And it's just a, it's just a passion, you mm-hmm. know? And it's also uh, this town that's grown up always feeling like we're, we've been so close and we're so good, but we just can't get over the wall. And that Super Bowl was the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it's great. The city, and if you've noticed, the city's timber has changed a little mm, bit. People mm-hmm. are a little bit nicer. <laughs> it's hard to say that, but I feel like people are just like, everybody gives a little nod. Yeah. Everybody's well, excited. But I'm so fascinated by how Philadelphia is, is like an art town. Is that why you've chosen like Philadelphia as a point to like stay? There's probably something in the water. <laughs> but there's also this very interesting pride that Philadelphians have where if you may be from a smaller town or someplace else with this kind of need to leave and go Mm -hmm. somewhere else, or like, I gotta get out of this town, I gotta go to New York. Philadelphians don't need to go anywhere else. So Mm -hmm. you, like, we really have kind of dug our heels into the dirt. And I think that just informs a lot of people's creativity. Like there's also a part of being a Philadelphian is that no one loves you here. Mm. Right. So everybody is very, very like into their thing and they have to do it at such a high level to get any respect. Mm -hmm. That's why you see so many really high profile and high quality people come out of here, like entertainment wise, like the roots of boys and men. Because if you're not good, they'll let you know. Um, You know, some people are better at it than others. But, you know, it's all part of the makeup of doing this stuff. Like I'm fortunate in a way to have um, I have projects outside of the house like I teach Mm -hmm. and I help manage a gallery and things like that and I like talking to people yeah my final question Mm. do you have any predictions for where the industry is heading um I would like to see more inclusion I feel like that's happening I think people are fed up Mm. and they're angry people are very sensitive to what corporations are doing right now Mm. so I hope to see more people reaching out and actually caring about how people think about what they're creating rather than it always being a reaction I'd love them to maybe say what do you want to see and I think that's the world we live in everyone has a voice now everyone has a voice and some people have a couple voices because they have like some (laughs) troll accounts but you know everybody wants to be heard now and I think they people have to listen I'm excited about the future. Um, I just hope that comics keeps a place in it. Well, that was my final question. Thank you for (laughs) hanging out and talking to me about comics and Real Housewives and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Thanks for having me. super fun. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. The Question was researched and hosted by Dr. Melinda Lewis. Our audio engineering and theme was produced by Brian Cantoric. All of this was done under the directorship of Erica Levy-Zellinger, the deanship of Dr. Paul Morans-Cohen, and the Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University. 
What are we talking about? Practice? We're talking about practice, man. 